Thank you for joining us for Mental Health Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Charlene Pickram, the owner of Pick Empowerment, and you're tuned into CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. And I have two special guests in the studio with me this evening to talk about the impact of fraud on individuals and their families and how that impacts the mental health. And so I have Ju- Georgina Fitzpatrick from Fraud Sense and Jenny Terrio from Vaughn. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Shirley. So, Georgina, can you give our audience a little idea of who you are and why did you start your company? Why? What was the need? Um, my name is Georgina Fitzpatrick. I'm, um, I've previously worked in banking for about 40 years, and I worked in fraud awareness and education. A lot of work I did was around fraud training, fraud awareness training, and so forth. I retired a few years ago. I've retired twice, actually. And I'm, pro- and I'm back at work again. I'm going to retire for a third time, and this time I'm going to really retire. Uh, about two years ago, um, a friend of mine, her mom had been impacted uh, by a grandparent scam. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, like, why why aren't you out doing the work you used to do? It's really important work. Yeah. And I really gave it some thought. And I thought, you know, I loved working with people. Yeah. I loved training and education. It was one of the things that I loved to do most in my work. And I thought, okay, I'm going to look at this. So I set up a small company, just myself. And yeah. basically what I do is I go out and I do fraud awareness training. And my audience is mostly seniors because that's the biggest um, I guess when you look at who's the biggest victims today, mm. we are an aging population in Nova Scotia. We have over a thousand people every month turn 65. Wow. And when you look at our aging population and you look at how much fraud is happening, seniors are the biggest target of fraudsters. So I thought, I'm going to get out and I'm going to do some of this stuff that I love to do. Mm-hmm. So I've done a number of workshops across the province. I've done some with credit unions. I've done a number of workshops for the Crime Prevention Association of HRM and that. And the feedback from seniors has been amazing. It's been, they value it so much and they want a chance to talk. They want yeah. a chance to tell their story. Mm. And I just, I feel like it's it's something worth doing and I really enjoy it. So here I am back at it, doing doing it again. <laughs> Retired, but on your own terms. Uh, Retired, but on my own terms. And it's a beautiful place to be, actually. I'm very, I feel very blessed and very thankful in my life to be where I'm at right now, to be honest with you. Awesome. It's a great spot. Yeah, good. Good for you. And so Jenny with Vaughn, you guys provide a lot of different services. And so one of them is regarding, obviously, the mental health of the individuals you're serving. How does fraud come into your services? Well, we don't specifically have a program that's related to fraud exactly, but what we do is I'm a program coordinator for VON. So I think when most people think of VON, they think of nursing services in the community. We have lots and lots of nurses out in the community all over Nova Scotia. So a lot of people don't necessarily know about our community support services department. So Mm. that's where I work. So I'm a program coordinator there. So I have three programs that I coordinate myself. I do a one-day breakaway adult day program in Tantalan. Mm -hmm. And then I do a program called Volunteer Visiting, which is a program where we match volunteers one-on-one in the community with seniors mostly who are lonely or socially isolated who are looking for 
a connection. Mm -hmm. And of course, as we know, social health plays a huge part in all of our well-being and overall health. And so definitely fraud comes into that aspect of it. We sometimes have seen clients of our volunteer visiting program who are experiencing that. Mm. Sometimes that can be helpful to have someone else coming in, especially if they don't have family around or friends and are isolated completely. So to have someone else to talk to. And then the other program that I coordinate, which is new to VON, Mm. is called Senior Safety. Okay. So how that program works is that if anyone in the community, seniors, have any safety concerns, they can call me and I can help them one-on-one with that concern. So fraud, obviously, Mm -hmm. has been one that I've seen. But also it it could be safety concerns with their family, if they're worried about falls, if there's any kind of abuse happening. Mm. And also I go to different community groups and do presentations on different safety topics as well. Seniors and bullying is one that's been really? surprisingly happening oh, quite a bit lately. Yeah. So so in terms of fraud, I've definitely seen that. I've had referrals in the community of people who are experiencing fraud in their home who aren't, aren't sure what to do and don't yeah. know where to turn. So it, I've actually... Um, I've actually contacted Georgina multiple times for help and support (laughs) with some of those referrals. Mm. And that's great. I mean, knowing what's available in your community, because Vaughn or V-O-N is, I mean, I, I did some research obviously before we came on the show and I had no idea the extensiveness of the program. And I guess it has grown, obviously, over the years. Um, So one of the things, too, that um, I want us to talk about is fraud within families. So that's part of the abuse to seniors that occurs within their family. So it's not just strangers or people that are contacting individuals through the computer that we need to be concerned about and keeping people aware, but families actually taking advantage of their aging parents. That's the most horrible part. Mm. That's called friendly fraud. And that uh, last year, or in 2016, it was estimated about 250,000 Canadians were a victim of family family or friendly fraud. It could be done by a family member or a caregiver, mm. um, next door neighbor. Yeah. There's or someone they've hired to come in and do day jobs for them. Mm-hmm. It's it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. And it it leaves people so fearful because yeah. you've got your family who you trust and love and all of a sudden they're abusing you financially. Yeah. And your financial security is gone. And mm-hmm. when you look at that, when you think of mass market frauds, which are the frauds that are done through computers and so on, the CRA scams and the grandparent scams and the various scams and that, that's one side of fraud. But when mm. you've got family and caregiver fraud, I personally think that's the most offensive. I yeah. really do. It's getting scammed by a computer or by a stranger is one thing, but when your own people are doing it to you, I think I believe that's just so horrendous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the hardest part, of course, is that a lot of people don't have anyone else they can turn to. So, exactly. you know, they're relying on these family members to help them and they don't have anywhere else to turn. Mm-hmm. That's so true, Jenny. That's the biggest part. 
the the isolation and when they they're afraid they have so much fear that if they talk about their grandson or their child or their granddaughter whatever the case may be whoever's doing the uh, doing the fraud they're they're afraid that you know they won't come back in they won't see them again yeah. or maybe they'll bar them from seeing their grandchild or mm-hmm. maybe they'll you know stop picking them up and bringing them to appointments or they'll just feel so much more isolated than they have already. Absolutely. And sometimes the trade-off, they're, they're willing to, to trade that off. If, if it means that they have someone to take them to get groceries or take them to their appointments. Well, if they're stealing money from them, maybe they feel like it's justified somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that is true too, actually, where they do feel, you know, I'm going to get the money anyway, so I might as well start having mm-hmm. some of it now or I'm going to leave him or her the money anyway so if they're stealing from me now that's you know they can justify it in that respect it's a horrible horrible spot yeah. it really it, is it is it and like you guys said um, particularly you know with the aging population we're looking at individuals that may have mental illness or may have dementia or Alzheimer's and aren't even aware like have no knowledge whatsoever and it is isolating and it does put them very much in a place of vulnerability and you know I I can say myself I wasn't totally aware of that experience that aging parents may have with their kids until my own parents who you know are aging and have some health problems um you know and and money comes involved. Yeah. You know, when do you, when, if you're asking for money, when are you asking? Are you putting them in a position where they are feeling, oh, this is a expectation? So, yeah, you have to be very cognizant of the position you're putting the elder person in when you're asking, um, potentially for assistance with money, which some of us do. Um, but just to be aware of that for sure. Absolutely. Mm. And so uh, regarding mental illness, um, is there anything that VON specifically does regarding mental illness to help support that? We don't have a specific program specifically for mental illness per se, but of yeah. course, all the programs that I mentioned, you know, we, we're we actually seeing more and more that mm-hmm. we're getting referrals in the community. And of course, as we know, the highest risk factor for any dementia is the aging as, as we age. Mm. So we're seeing more more and more, and, and we're going to continue to see more and more of that too as people age and, and dementia comes into the picture and all sorts of mental illnesses as well. So I think just all of our programs overall can support people living with mental illness as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one great thing too, Jenny, that you have available to you and VON as a program coordinator is taking the feedback from your clients about what they need. And examining or looking at designing different programs to meet their needs. Sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. And I think the beauty of some of the programs we do offer, for example, senior safety, is that we can tailor that program to the person. So depending on what kind of support, it's a very open-ended program to begin with. Mm. I'm here to be a support to that person for whatever they may need, right? So they're calling me and saying, 
X is the matter, which could be anything, right? Yes. So I'm able to figure out what would be most helpful for them and do some advocacy work, that sort of thing. So definitely in the senior safety program specifically, we can absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. And same thing for you, Georgina, is getting feedback from your clients and then molding your different workshops around it. Absolutely. One of the things that I find is when I go out and do these workshops, I learn so much. Mm. I learn so much from the clients, from the people that are there that share their stories. And I share those stories anonymously again. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a story. And when you when you look at someone and they tell you about their grandchild stealing from them or they tell you about this is what's happened to them, mm-hmm. sometimes people won't talk about it in the open audience. They'll come to me after the presentation yeah. and they'll say, this is what's happened to me. What should I have done or what can I do now? Mm. The biggest problem with with fraud and with fraud overall, but certainly fraud with seniors, is that most of it is not reported. It's only estimated about five percent is reported. Ten five percent of mass market frauds and about ten percent of family caregiver fraud is reported. Mm. And when you look at that, the amount of fraud that is going unreported mm-hmm. is crazy. And people don't report because they're afraid or they're ashamed. They're embarrassed mm. or they're afraid that. As I said earlier, the grandchild, they won't get a chance to see their grandchild again. Mm. Or they're afraid that their own child may look and say, well, mom's no longer capable. Maybe yeah. we need to put her in a home. Mm. You know, all those things. And they're afraid of their, their financial independence is gone. Yeah. So those things impact whether they're going to report or not. It's, mm. it's, it's a horrible situation, actually. Yeah, it is. And so we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, um, I'm going to get the ladies to share some stories that they've potentially um, been exposed to, just so people can understand you're not alone if you're out there. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks for staying tuned into CIOE 97.5 Mental Health. Let's talk about it. I'm Charlene Pickram, and I have Georgina Fitzpatrick and Jenny Terrio in the studio this evening talking about the mental health impacts of fraud. And so, Georgina, you have um, a list of indicators that will potentially show individuals that somebody may be having some kind of financial abuse happening in their life. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Some of the patterns, uh, Mm. what you'll see, some indicators of financial abuse could be a change in their spending patterns, like all of a sudden they're spending a lot more money or they're uh, going to the casino a lot or they're spending money on fancy electronics or Mm. fancy gifts and so forth. Uh, You may see a big change in their account balance. They may have had large volumes. um, They may have had larger account balances, and all of a sudden you see that account balance declining significantly Mm. or large withdrawals, cash withdrawals, or payments to... Or payments to um, uh, large uh, payments to credit cards and mm. so forth that that they don't own. Uh, you may see a difference in the services requested. Um, what maybe the person has never used online banking, or maybe the person has never used debit uh, cards, and now all of a sudden they're looking to use those types of services. Mm. So often you will see just 
differences in the, in that financial side. And then you'll also see differences in their personal behavior. Yeah. Like they may look different. They may look more, uh, they may even be more unkempt in some cases. Someone that's always taken great pride in how they look may now look, uh, you know, uh, they may not have uh, taken such great personal care of themselves and so forth. Mm. So often you'll see those types of things that will happen, that will see the changes both in spending behaviors and in their uh, their personal, uh, how they look and so on. The other thing that you may see is a change in who they're with. Yeah. All of a sudden they have that friend that's with them every time they go to the bank. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a daughter that's with them all of a sudden and is showing up and you see large withdrawals and so forth. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll see changes in mainly in personal behavior, in spending patterns, and sometimes what you will see is there's a new friend in the picture. Mm. And that friend can be a friend, a new caregiver, or it can be a family member that's all of a sudden very interested in Nanny's finances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, and when you were sharing that list with us, that definitely for sure registered with me about okay, somebody new is in the picture who had yeah. never been around when yeah. all of a sudden there's quite a lot of isolation for yeah. that person. And um, Jenny, you have a story that you, you want to share, which I think will, you know, really bring everything together. So I had a referral from a couple. They were seniors. They live in the community still. And the wife contacted me and they had been the victims of fraud. In in fact, a couple of different situations. Mm. One of them was a computer scam and the other was over the telephone. And so I went and visited with them and we had some lengthy conversations about, you know, what had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because what I discovered was that the husband had some cognitive cognitive impairment and was losing some of his independence. So he was no longer able to drive and also had some mobility issues happening. So he wasn't, you know, he's using a walker. So it wasn't just wasn't, wasn't getting out of the house as, as much as he had been. And so mm-hmm. the wife was, you know, doing the one, she was still doing a lot of her activities that she had always done mm. and, and, and also taking care of the household, getting the groceries, those sorts of things. So what was happening was anytime anyone would call, <laughs> he enjoyed talking on the phone, of course, because, you know, if he's home alone, yeah, his wife's gone, these, you know, he was feeling socially isolated and wasn't getting to the things he used to do. So, so one elaborate scheme happened, started on the phone, then moved to his computer and just, anyway, it ended with the computer being shut down and they weren't sure what information was shared through the computer because of course, as you know, or if you don't know, it's literally can just be a click, the wrong click. You click the wrong thing and people can have access to all your information, particularly if you do online banking, email, passwords, all sorts of things can be accessed over the, over your computer. Mm -hmm. And so it was really difficult, of course, for his wife to kind of explain to him that it would be better not to answer the phone. But I think there's just a lot of education too that, that that people don't know about, of course, because even she was asking me, well, she said, you know, if it's, if the number is 1866, is that mm. okay? And I said, well, you know, it's not even about whether that number is okay. I mean, that's a toll free number that could be anyone, but yeah. there's even, 
things that fraudsters can do these days where they can copy your number. A so spoofing. it looks like yep. spoofing. It's yes. spoofing okay. the phone number. Yep. So ah. they, it, they can, your caller ID will show a number and it could be, you know, obviously someone completely different. In fact, there was one situation where they had copied the RCMP That's, number. Yep. So it made it look like the RCMP was calling when actually it was it was a fraud. So so it's so that education piece is really tricky too because even if you think you're well informed, which I would have thought I was well informed, mm-hmm. but you know, I've learned a lot speaking with Georgina and listening to her presentations as well myself. So I think so it was really tricky to kind of go over that. We ended up and further to that, I had talked to them about the do not call list yeah. mm. and their number had been on the do not call list for years. Oh, yes. So, you know, there's so many things you think if yeah. you're you're well protected, but you learn that. Mm. Well, that's really spoofing. Are. Okay. So yeah. I just learned something today because last week with my business, sometimes yep. I miss calls uh-huh. and they may not leave a message, but I will call them back and say, oh, I see that you called, blah, blah, blah. And... I had been receiving a lot of telemarketer phone calls and, yeah, just annoying calls. And I called this woman and she said, no. She said, we we didn't call you. And I said, well, your number's here twice on my phone, you know. And so that may have very well been the case that it was a spoof. Yeah. With the CRA scam, what they do is when you look at the phone number, it reads the CRA phone number. Mm. And it's through, a, it's like robocalling, I guess you could refer yes. to it as. It uses voice over internet protocol. And basically what they do is the number shows up on your phone as CRA, but it's not CRA. Mm. It could show up as the RCMP. It could show up as HRPD, whichever. They just basically, that number is what shows up on your phone. Dirty. And yeah, it's dirty, dirty. When you talk about the computer virus uh, that scam and I'm one of the um, I'm looking at some data I had here that was the largest mass market fraud scam in 2016 and CBC did a uh, a, uh, on their go public in March of 2016 and they found out that the computer virus scam was the largest phone scam in Canada with 2.8 million Canadians getting the phone call every year and over 200,000 people losing money Wow. And in 2016, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, sorry, in 2010 said, uh, indicated that Canadians lost $100 million just to that scam. And I have a friend that actually got caught in that. He had just retired and got the phone call and his, they said, you know, your computer's acting up. Let mm-hmm. us help you. We know that you're having a real slowdown with your windows. And he thought, well, yeah, you're right. How did you know? And so he <laughs> let them in through the back. They told him to yeah. do this, this, and this. He let them in. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on him that, oh, my God, I think I'm being scammed here. Yeah. So he just said, that's it. You're not getting into my computer. Mm-hmm. Well, they were already in at that point. Yes. So he ended up having to get rid of his computer. Actually, they could not fix it. They locked him down so he couldn't get into it. It was just a painful process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're right about getting into my uh, into one's online banking and so on. We do everything on the Internet today. Yeah. I mean, all my banking I do on the internet. Uh, most people I know do all their banking on the internet. Yeah. And you start to look at all that and your your information is there. You start looking at how many, how often do you get an email from uh, a bank saying, mm. check your information and they you realize that, well, I don't even have an account with that bank. Yes. So yes. it's all this phishing fraud and so forth. It's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And it's not going to stop. This stuff will only become more and more. 
Well, and it will become more and more because as an aging population, they don't get out as much and they still have to do their banking. And so it's being sold as this great convenience, which Mm -hmm. is why we all use it, you know. Um, But when my uh, father decided he was going to get a computer and, you know, get the internet and everything. And he's like a diehard. I will never use it to go on, you know, banking. banking, I will never put my credit card on there. And, you know, he's been targeted a couple of times and God love him that he has enough sense, like shut down the computer right away, call a friend who is more than willing to come and, you know, check out the computer and clear it all. Um, And so, you know, again, who is providing that education to seniors who are being sold, this is great, this is so convenient, you don't have to go out of your house on a cold winter day and da-da-da, but there's risks. The, The convenience is great, but there's risks to those conveniences. There's always a risk. There's always a risk. And the best way to overcome that risk is to be aware and educated. We all have a responsibility to make sure that we are educated with the services that we're using. Mm -hmm. And we need to be aware uh, that this fraud is ongoing. And it's going to keep ongoing. So we need to protect ourselves. Yeah. And they only get better. Like we said, they are professionals. They sit like, do you have anything better to do with your life? Like what kind of... I, you know, animal, are you that you're going to, uh, kids and seniors, like, come on, you're taking advantage, you're abusing those individuals. Obviously, they have a story of their own, but mm, they're so good at at what they do. And they have no conscience. I mean, they just want to get your money. Yeah. Bottom line is they're going to send out a million phishing uh, emails today, or I don't know the number. There's mm. huge numbers of emails like what every day. They If they get one or two or 10 or 20, yeah. they've got their money made for today. And yeah. this is their job. And this that is, is their, their job. job. Them, yeah. Right? You so. know what? If they came over onto the legal side, they mm. could do such good business. But exactly. staying over there on the other side, that's that's their choice in life too, I guess. Yeah, it is. Too bad we couldn't give them a good kick in the butt. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like I'm going to keep them on the line and I'm really going to trick them and I'm mm. going to get them. That doesn't work. They're probably, no. uh, you just saw it last week on CBC where they took down a, uh, call centers in India. Mm. And that's the second time they've taken it down in India. So, And it could be anywhere. I mean, India was yes. just the two that were on uh, in the more recent news. But it could be anywhere. It could be Russia. It could be downtown Toronto. It could be downtown Sackville. Yeah. You know, it can be it can happen anywhere. All you need is a computer. Exactly. So we're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about strategies to empower you to protect you in this day and age, so that you will not become victim to fraud. You're listening to Mental Health. Let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 Community Radio. And we'll be back in a moment. In the final segment of Mental Health, let's talk about it on CIOE 97.5 FM. 
I am going to finish up with Georgina Fitzpatrick and Jenny Terrio as we talk about the impact that fraud has on individuals' mental health. And so as we do here on Mental Health Let's Talk About It, we want to provide individuals with empowerment strategies, so ways that you can protect yourself and enhance your mental health. And so we're going to talk about some fraud prevention tips as well as who can you call when you need help. And so I think, Georgina, you're going to start. I will start. Actually, first, when we talk about fraud prevention tips, what's really, really important here is that we as consumers need to be informed and aware. We need to understand our banking accounts. We need to understand how we keep that uh, our money secure. So it's your money and you need to make sure it's your financial security and you know how to protect it. Uh, one of the things I would first recommend is that uh, you protect your personal information and you do not share your PIN numbers or your PAC numbers. That is your digital signature. You do not share that with anyone. Um, you should also conduct an annual credit check. It's free of charge. Mm -hmm. When you conduct that annual credit check, essentially it will give you an overview of all the credit that's in your name. You want to make sure that all credit that's there listed in your name is actually your credit and not somebody else's mm -hmm. and that somebody hasn't taken your identity and set up credit in their name. Uh, you want to act immediately. If you suspect any irregularities in your accounts, you want to contact your financial institution immediately and go through those things that you have questions about. If there's withdrawals on your account, if there's charges to your account that you have not done, you want to follow up with your financial institution immediately on that. The other thing is that you really want to trust your gut. If there's something <laughs> that's, if there's something that feels wrong or is untoward or you're questioning it, trust your gut. Look at it, ask questions, get the information, get what you need to have to make that decision. Um, some of the other things you want to do is you want to talk to your financial institution about any changes to your account. If And especially if you're adding someone onto your account, you want to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. If you're adding someone on as a joint to your account, you want to make sure that that person is who you want to have on as joint. If you're adding your son or your daughter onto your account and you want them as joint, you have to understand, or your caregiver, whoever you add on as joint, that they have access to all funds in that account. So that's crucial that you understand that uh, because if I add you as joint on my account, you can go in and clean out that account pretty quickly. So those yeah. are things that you need to be aware of. Those are discussions you want to have with your family or with whoever you may be talking with and certainly with your financial institution. Um, Georgina, one of the other things too, you know, particularly with aging parents and taking over the finances um, or, you know, potentially someone dies and you need to take over their banking information is one to have that information in the will or to have it in a safety deposit box. So you're not sharing the information prior to your death, but after you die that your family members can access that information to get in there and deal with the finances after the death. Because I've seen that and it when you're already in a grieving time and trying to deal with the finances 
and you don't know the passwords and it can be very daunting and impact the children's mental health. Absolutely. That's that's a really good point, Charlene. Keeping that information confidential is really crucial, mm. but also keeping it in a secure place. It may go with your will or so on. Or you may even appoint a power of attorney too. That's another thing that yes. you really want to talk with legal counsel about. But those are really important factors that everyone needs to consider, especially at this stage of life. Mm-hmm. You absolutely need to think about your financial security, but access to your financial assets and ensuring that you have a will, ensuring you have a power of attorney, mm-hmm. ensuring that your financial affairs are in order and that people know what assets you have, that family members know, and all that should be certainly outlined in your will. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so what other tips do you have there, Jenny? I think for me, a couple of tips that I've learned that um, have impacted me specifically that I'd like to pass on is thinking about Wi-Fi. So when you're on public Wi-Fi, it's Mm. not secure, you know. That's, and I think... Today, especially with the use of phones, we all have our phones wherever we go. And Mm. I think most people use Wi-Fi as much as they can, of course, with the high cost of data. So I think that's something to be aware of, you know, using, you know, if you're using online banking apps on Wi-Fi, that's not secure. That's not a secure place to use that or even online shopping, those sorts of things where you're putting your credit card in. And the other tip that personally for me, I learned was about passwords. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people tend to use the same password Mm. for pretty much everything. I know I certainly did and learned the hard way (laughs) that I should change it. And one tip that I recently read was about choosing passwords and how – because, you know, a lot of times the password has to have capital letters, lowercase Mm -hmm. letters. It has to have – different characters, numbers, all that sort of thing. And just you're just thinking, like, how am I possibly going to remember this password, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's a bit tricky. So I think that's probably one of the reasons we all tend to use the same password over and over. But one tip was I was reading was about pick a sentence, maybe mm-hmm. a sentence that you say. I picked something that I... I'm sharing this, but I picked a sentence that I often say to my daughter, just a Mm. sentence that we say, and then take each of the letters, uh, the first letter in each of the the words of that sentence, and then if you wanted to add a number as well or something like that. So that's something I I did, which was a different way of thinking because sometimes I think we're just – our minds go blank, like what password Mm. am I possibly going to remember? But I I found that helpful because I – use that for a couple couple of my passwords yeah yeah and it was because sometimes you just have no idea what to use or what to think so we just automatically revert to birthdays or something like that which mm. which people obviously no, have, no. right yeah which you don't want to that's a real that's do. an excellent idea actually using a sentence i'm doing a, some contract work with the uh previous employer and one of the things we have is a 15 uh 15 character password and you have to have a a capital letter and a number and uh, so forth and you know what when you first put in you're like oh my god what will I put in there Mm. but you know what once you get it it's a much better way of doing it. It really is. That makes sense. So many people have one, two, three, four as password or A, B, C, D, and so forth. <laughs> and you look at it, or their phone number, or the last birthday. three, or the birthday. Yeah. Exactly. And that's crazy because it's so easily captured. It mm-hmm. just is. And so, in that line of thought, is also not to put your birth date on your information. So, your Facebook or exactly. anything. 
put a different year, put a different day. Like the people who know you and love you will remember your birthday and they will contact you. You don't need 150 people on Facebook to say happy birthday if you're going to be giving away some of your key information. Your birth date is important. Don't spread it on everything that you have. So that's one thing really I learned. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it is those little things because they're things that we just naturally do. So Jenny, can you give us some more information about VON? Because there are a lot of services there. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, senior safety, of course, is available. We also have the volunteer visiting program, which is a program that's all through HRM, mm. so you can contact us. We also have a transportation program. Oh. It's a really amazing program. It's a volunteer-based. Volunteers provide drives door-to-door to clients in the community for medical appointments, for groceries, for errands, really for anything. Wow. You can give us a call. There is a registration process for that program. It's about a 20-minute phone call, so you can get registered for that program. We provide drives all through HRM. Again, it's volunteers. That's an amazing program. We also have a frozen favorites program. So it's frozen meals. Mm. So again, we have volunteers who will deliver them in the community. Like I said, they come frozen. We have about 25 different varieties you can order and they'll be delivered once a week. Sometimes people just like to have something on hand if they don't feel like cooking, but also, Mm. you know, or in the wintertime. Just something different. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a huge selection and they're actually really good. <laughs> they're good. They're healthy. They're great choices. So so those are some other programs that we offer through VON as well. And it's a not-for-profit. It is. It is. It's a not-for-profit program. And uh, yeah. So how can people reach you? So you can call our office. So we're located on Bears Road. So yeah. So you can, you can give us a call. My direct line is... 902-455-6393. Excellent. Or you can reach me via email, which is jenny.terrio at von.ca. Awesome. And what about you, Georgina? How can people reach you if they're interested in potentially talking with you about a workshop on fraud? Absolutely. Uh, you can reach me through my phone number, 902-403-6230. You can reach me here at the station, CIOE. Uh, I volunteer here on a part-time basis. And you can reach me through email, gf.fraudsense at icloud.com. Mm. So certainly yeah, either of those methods. And thank you for coming today because I've learned so much. Oh, uh if you're also interested, we have a list of who who can help you. Um, your financial institution can help you, your credit bureau regarding fraud alert, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center, which is 1-888-495-8501, your local police, 211 in Nova Scotia, the Better Business Bureau at 1-877-6633, or sorry, 1-877-663-2363. Um, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, that's 1-866-461-3222. 
And there's Halifax Regional Police Department has a senior safety officer, and they can be reached at 1-902-490-2554. And of course, Crime Stoppers, um, you can go to, you know, your clergy, your doctor, whoever that is. So uh, we hope that you found this information beneficial. And thank you for tuning in to CIOE 97.5 FM Mental Health. Let's talk about it. If you'd like to reach me, my email is cpick at live.ca to provide feedback or ask questions. And on behalf of myself and my producer, Jim Francis, be empowered.